Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Don't miss this. The message of the book of Ruth is not be nice to other people, be kind to other people. The message of the book of Ruth is that God in his infinite, immeasurable kindness has been kind to us through the sending of a redeemer in Jesus Christ so that those who are lost can be found again, so that those who are homeless can have a home again, so those who are slaves can be freed again. This is the offer of the book of Ruth. encounter difficult situations that drain us emotionally or even spiritually. Not only does that destroy us, but it also imprisons us by preventing us from seeing a way out. Do you know who can save us? Today, Pastor Ricky discusses how God is able to break any chain in our lives. Even if it seems like there's no other option, you can have confidence in the fact that our God is the Redeemer and will always come to our aid. Through Jesus, who gave his life on the cross to atone for our sins, God saved us all. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, as he continues his message, God's Kindness in Human Form. Third portrait then, the true and better Redeemer. Now this is where we see that the character of Boaz in chapter 4 is pointing somewhere, right? It ends, we're going to see in a second, Ruth 4 ends in a genealogy. Because Ruth chapter 4 is where it is in our Bible because the very next book is 1 Samuel, which tells the story of the rise of King David, the archetypal king of Israel. And not only that, so in a sense, Boaz points forward to David. And so as we read the story, we're like, man, I wish there was a king like Boaz. Just wait, right? That's the, the flow of the Old Testament. And yet, we also see in the flow of the Old Testament that David and Boaz together point to a greater king. Matthew chapter one, the first page in the New Testament contains this genealogy with Boaz, the husband of Ruth, the grandfather of King David, who then is the forefather of King Jesus. Right? Boaz intentionally is pointing forward to Jesus. Right? And the thing I love about Boaz is it takes place in the time of the judges, right? which we'll talk a little bit about with the kids. It takes place in the time of the judges. It's a dark time. It's an evil time. Everybody, there's injustice and sin everywhere. And in the middle of that dark time, there is like this little island of kindness in Boaz's house. Remember, he, he's making his workers greet him. He's saying, may the Lord be with you. To the, and he's making them reply. He's saying, don't do anything unjust. He, well, I'm in my field, nobody assaults anybody. Nobody does this. We show kindness to others. He sees a little island of goodness, of kindness. And what you're meant to see is, man, after reading Judges, I wish there was more of this. I wish this was over the entire land of Israel. And that's the longing of the Old Testament. The longing of the Old Testament is this tension between what the mess God's people get themselves in and this glimpse that keeps appearing again and again of justice and kindness and goodness. And you're meant to think, man, how is this ever gonna get resolved? And the problem is this, that, that I think in many ways, Ruth 1 shows us how we got in such a bad situation. Ruth has a hard lesson. We all wanna be Boaz. We always wanna think, we're, we're, I'm like Boaz here, you know? If you've gone home after the book of Ruth, you know, uh, messages and you've told your spouse, you know, I'm a little bit like Boaz, you know, I have 
number of fields that I, you know, like, have you ever thought that? No. In fact, I think the place we start to identify is more with Elimelech and Naomi, because their dilemma is the dilemma of God's people. God gives his people (laughs) a beautiful land, a land of promise, and God's people choose not to trust his provision and look for it elsewhere. They make the same choice that Adam and Eve made in the garden, right? God gives them the garden. Everything is good. And they're like, yeah, what's over there though? You know, I'm not going to trust God for my provision. I want that. In fact, I want your job, God. I want to go to a land where I can be the king. And more understandably, Elimelech and and Naomi, perhaps their motives were mixed. But I think we're meant to see there is some element there that they did not trust God to provide for them in that land, which is why they left. They went to Moab. And then Elimelech dies, and Naomi makes the tragic choice. I think it is a tragic choice to stay there for 10 years. And it appears had no plans to come back to God's people and God's land of promise. It is only the death of her sons that forces her back. And so in a way, I think we're all meant to identify with Naomi and Elimelech. We all choose to go to Moab, don't we? We all choose in some area of of our lives to say, you know what, the Lord's provided this. That's not what I want. I want what's over here. Lord's provided, I want, I want what's over here. And the great thing about Ruth, it's a great picture of the messiness of this, right? Well, sometimes we're sinned against by people or sometimes hard, difficult circumstances come into our lives and take us to a difficult place. But many times like Naomi, we choose to stay there rather than return to God's people. And so there is sort of a, a holistic picture of this in the book of Ruth in which that you're not sure how much responsibility Naomi bears for their difficulty and situation but it, it does seem clear that she bears some responsibility. Either she chose to go to Moab or chose to stay in Moab, and we've done the exact same thing. And then as a result, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves in need of redemption. If we look at ourselves biblically, we have lost our freedom and are in bondage to sin. We have lost our homeland with God and our home of peace and fullness. We have lost our name and our true identity. We have lost our relationship with God. We have lost, most tragically, our share in the blessings of God and in the promises of God. That's where we find ourselves, lost in Moab, and that's where Christmas comes. That's where Jesus comes. Boaz is a rough outline of the kindness of God, but Jesus is the full picture. Jesus, if we could say it this way, is God's kindness taken on flesh. Galatians chapter four says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, that word, redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus comes as an infant to grow up and live a perfect life under the law in order to redeem lawbreakers. In a sense, Jesus takes our name as lawbreakers and gives us his name as a law keeper so that we could be restored so that we could be rescued, so that we could be restored, so that we could be refutured, in a sense. And look at the effect of it. Colossians 1.13 says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. How does that happen? How do we go from Moab to the promised land? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, comes to us. And he does one better than Boaz. See, Ruth (laughs) chooses to come to God's people. This would be like if the book of Ruth was that Boaz goes to Moab to seek Ruth and Naomi out. That's what Jesus has done for us. We are slaves in another land. We have chained ourselves to the wrong place. We find ourselves in a kingdom of darkness, but Jesus comes. Jesus breaks our chains. Jesus restores us to God's house. And there is always a cost to this redemption. Boaz's redemption cost him some of his money, some of his reputation, some of his name, some of his inheritance. But Jesus pays with far more precious currency. Ephesians 1.7 says this, in him... We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This phrase, through his blood, we could spend a half hour on this. In the Old Testament, the life of someone was in their blood. The blood is a picture of life itself. And blood being shed is a picture of sin leading to death. There was no bloodshed prior to that. And so, so the through his blood means this, that Jesus laid down his very life for his people to transfer them from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light, from sinners to saved, right? This is what Jesus does on the cross. He trades his father's house for the outer darkness that we chose for ourselves. He trades his peace for conflict and wrath. He trades his name, in a sense, of lawkeeper and righteous for the unrighteous and the lawbreaker. This is what Jesus has done for us, trading his name as the just for the name of the unjust. Friend, look, if you are not a Christian, I really don't want you to take the wrong message away from the book of Ruth. There is a way to read the book of Ruth. It's just kind of like, you know what? Ruth, it's about nice people doing nice things. And so, you know what? Have a Merry Christmas. Go out and be nice to people, right? Right? When you see the guy with the bell, go ahead and drop a few pennies in there. And you're like, that's good. That's the book of Ruth, right? No. The message of the book of Ruth is this, that we go from Moab to the promised land through the kindness of a redeemer. Don't miss this. The message of the book of Ruth is not be nice to other people, be kind to other people. The message of the book of Ruth is that God in his infinite, immeasurable kindness has been kind to us through the sending of a redeemer in Jesus Christ so that those who are lost can be found again, so that those who are homeless can have a home again, so those who are slaves can be freed again. This is the offer of the book of Ruth, that every Moabite, in a sense, every person outside the family of God who comes to God and asks for redemption, God answers like Boaz, I will do for you all that you ask. And he does far more. So if you are not a Christian today, hear the offer in the book of Ruth. This is something God can do for you. It's not just a nice thing that one guy did for another person thousands of years ago. It's something God offers to you for you today. And if you are a Christian, please see that the call to be kind, the call to be a kind person in the book of Ruth stands on the foundation of God's kindness. Look, the background to this is that Boaz, everything Boaz gave away God gave to him in the first place. Think about it this way. His name, his share in the promises of God was given to him when God redeemed his people from Egypt and gave them the promised land in the first place. His name, his land, his freedom from slavery, again and again, given by God to his people. And so Boaz gets it and is like, yeah, man, I just, 
I was given all this, you can have all this. That's where kindness comes from. Kindness will never find a root in our heart if we are stingy and trying to hold on to what we've got. It only happens when hearts are changed and transformed by the kindness of God who gives them all they have, who see everything in their life as a gift from God, but who opens their hands and makes them go, yeah, sure, what do you need? Somebody gave me all this stuff, it's amazing. Do you want some? Now, in closing, here's where I think we end. Uh, The end of this book is so beautiful. No exaggeration to say, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of literature in the ancient Near East. Remember chapter one. Remember chapter one, where Naomi watches her husband die along with her two sons, where Ruth watches her husband die and has no children. Remember that as we read verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is worth more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Oh, guys, look, think of God's kindness. Remember, the trajectory of Ruth is from emptiness to fullness through the kindness of God. And look at what God does. For Boaz, Boaz receives a precious wife. Right. Many people would say that Ruth, that Ruth should be included in the wisdom literature of the gospel, I mean, of the Old Testament canon, because Ruth is the embodiment of the Proverbs 31 wife, especially she makes her arms strong. That's in Proverbs 31. Ruth lifts. Other th- all the other good characteristics are there as well, right? Boaz is given, right? She walks up to him. Like, he's just minding those business. God sends this wife to him in his infinite kindness, which I'm sure he's like, man, this is amazing. She proposed to me. I love, you know, like, love this. And not only that, but in thinking he may lose his name, he gains a name in the lineage of the king of Israel. And not just the king of Israel, the king of kings, I mean, this is insane kindness to Boaz. And then Ruth, look at Ruth. She had lost her husband. She's lost her husband. She's left her homeland. She has no one other than a bitter mother-in-law and a hovel of a house foraging for scraps in a field. And evidently, what, we, what seems clear is that she had, in her first marriage, not been able to have children. And the implication of Scripture is that she was barren, And then we read the phrase, and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And at the end of the book of Ruth, she looks up and sees in Boaz a man of kindness and character. She looks down, she looks around herself to see that she, as an outsider, has been welcomed into the community of God's people in Bethlehem. And she looks down and she she holds in her hands the kindness of God in her son. Oh, this is incredible kindness. And then Naomi. In many ways, Naomi 
deceptively, is the main character in the book of Ruth. She opens and closes the book. And think of what, about what she's done. She thought she had lost her land forever, her share in the promises of God. She then lost her husband. She then lost both of her sons. She then cried out that the hand of the Lord was against her, that she was utterly empty of anything good in life. And yet she ends the book with a daughter that the people say is worth more than seven sons. Now, that doesn't happen in the ancient world, right? God's people were some of the only people in the ancient world that valued women in this way, by the way. And they're crying out, that girl, she's worth more than seven boys, right? That is unbelievable. And you look at the phrase, this phrase wrecks me. I think I want to cry every time I read this phrase when they, verse 17, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying... Look at what they say. A son has been born to, not Ruth, to Naomi. Because in many ways, it, this boy was Naomi's son. It represented, it represented the rescue of her family, the restoration of her family, the refuturing of her her family, all wrapped up in this one child. And then she gets to spend her old age caring for this little guy. I love it. Now, as we end, two quick things I want you to notice. What do we do as we end the book of Ruth? Well, I think we're meant to take these two things away. Look at what the townspeople say to Naomi in verse 15. It says, God shall be to you a restorer of your life and a nourisher of your old age. The story of every Christian ends in Ruth chapter four. And God promises every son or daughter these two things. What is prayed for Naomi, and we see ourselves in Naomi's journey, is prayed and spoken over us in a sense that God will be to you a restorer of life. One of the most staggeringly beautiful things at the end of Ruth is that the very places of emptiness in chapter one, God fills in chapter four. God dispenses no generic Grace. God sees the specific places of emptiness in this family, and he brings fullness through the kindness of a redeemer. Meaning this, the very places in these characters' lives that they cried out, God, why have you hurt? Why have you left me here? God, why am I empty here? God, I have nothing here in this spot in my life. God then fills in his kindness. The arc of every Christian story is in Ruth 1 to 4. The arc of God's people is in Ruth 1 through 4. Do you know why? Because what does history end in? From Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures end in a wedding of the Redeemer to his beloved. And so the arc of every Christian is Ruth 1 to 4. And the problem is this. Most of us live in Ruth 3 in the tension of but what's going to happen. And yet the down payment has been paid through Christ on the cross. And how do we, but we live in that tension and we wonder, are we ever going to get to Ruth chapter 4? And the book of Ruth is given to God's people to say, yes, every place of emptiness will be filled. It says in Revelation that when God comes for his people, every tear will be wiped away. Nobody cries generic tears. People cry tears because of the places of emptiness and loss in their life. And what that means is that in the end, the Lord, the God of kindness, through the kindness of a redeemer, will fill every place of emptiness in your life, Christian. 
he will not leave you where you are. He leaves no Christian in Ruth 1. Through Christ, everyone is brought to this place of fullness, a restorer of life. Maybe that's relationships. Maybe that's peace. Maybe that's your health. Maybe that's wholeness. Maybe that's some other area of your life. But Christian, if it is good, truly good, God will restore it in his time. And thank God that so many times he gives glimpses of it now, right? It's so kind that while we wait for a redeemer where God, the king has not come yet in Ruth 4, he's still to come in David. While the king has not come, a glimpse of it is given to this beautiful family. Second thing that God does is he is a nourisher or sustainer of us. Until we get there, until we get home, God promises to sustain us. And Christmas is the loudest statement God could make that he is with us. Jesus promised, church, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Christmas every year is a reminder that God has come to us. God has come to us and he will come again. Let me end with uh, one more comment about that house my grandparents uh, used to own that we don't have anymore. I, I got this piece of artwork, right? And, and I remember the feeling of like, just in that moment, seeing through the artwork into that room with my family. And I don't know why, but this year, I feel the places of emptiness more than I have in years past around Christmas. I feel the people that are not around the tree. I feel the cousins that have moved away. I feel the sense of loss that happens as you grow up and grow older. And I remember just, just feeling like, man, what a bummer. <laughs> I just feel the loss. And in this moment, I'm studying Ruth chapter four, not even thinking of that thing. And I felt the Lord say, you're longing for home and you will be home one day. Because what I long for as I think about those windows and I think about that tree, guys, is not just these, you know, some generic family members and a hallmark ending. What I long for is a place of security and wholeness. I long to belong to a people, to look around a people and feel like these are my people and they love me. I long for a place of stability and wholeness where the dark doesn't enter in. I long for people that I love to be preserved and whole. I long to be not hurt with all of the injuries in my 30s anymore, where I was a 10-year-old that was bouncing off the walls and injuring myself constantly, and I just, they just, everything just grew back, right? I just, I long for that. But really, it's a longing for home. And Ruth chapter four is a reminder Son or daughter of God, you have a share in the blessings of God. You have a share in the promises of God. And it's no longer wrapped up in a physical piece of land anymore. It is wrapped up in the Savior himself and the deposit of his presence in your heart today. So take heart. The story is not over. Rejoice as you see God's kindness around Christmas time. But when you find those places of emptiness, Remind yourself, Ruth 4 is coming. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Better News Radio is a listener-supported ministry of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas with Pastor Ricky. We're so glad that you joined us today for a message that's focused on something life-altering that happened in a little town called Bethlehem. 
The birth of a baby boy in a stable shifted the course of mankind and set it on a course that will lead to ultimate triumph in the face of hardship and loss. I know that sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel in the midst of so much struggle, but I'm here to tell you that the birth of Jesus wasn't for nothing. Love, forgiveness, grace, and so much more was wrapped up in that tiny little bundle. This Christmas season, may you experience the joy of our Savior's birth and the blessings that it brought and is still bringing. Wondering what to do next now that our time is drawing to a close today? Go to betternewsradio.com and listen to this message again or other messages from Pastor Ricky. While you're there, don't forget our podcast so that you can listen anytime and anywhere. Twitter and Facebook are some other ways that you can stay connected with Better News Radio as well. Do you prefer the good old telephone to technology? Then you can give us a call at 915-562-7100. We look forward to hearing from you. Again, that phone number to call is 915-562-7100. We hope that you've been blessed by what you heard today. And we look forward to meeting with you on our next edition here on Better News Radio.